Hello and welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. My name is Solo and my co-host is Karen. We're going to discuss all kinds of things on this podcast, but for today's episode we're going to focus on comedy and uh, the magical world of it. So we hope you enjoy. All right. First episode. Let's go. So uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, This first episode that we're going to have is about comedy. So everyone likes to laugh. Everyone likes to, you know, kick back, enjoy some people, make cracking jokes about different topics. Um, for me, Solo, I would say I, I'm more into the side of the dark humor. Like, if there's some dark shit going on and there's some jokes, you will probably see me laugh. I just appreciate everything. I, I, know, I know you don't appreciate some, and, and puns will... I fucking hate puns. Fucking hate them. (laughs) But, um... When you pull off dark humor Mm -hmm. without being edgy, or, you know, like the edgelord kind of stuff, that's when you you know you've you've made it. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a different type of art, making dark humor. Because you don't want to... Because I feel like you don't want to just be blatantly outrageous but at the same time there has to be some sort of you have to be a little clever with how you how you uh approach it because it is a little bit of a touchy subject compared to like let's just say puns for example like you don't it's just a play on words but to most people it's incredibly funny they just get a kick out of it well it's it's mostly for me, it's it's like a little challenge that you do for yourself. You can you have like the the quickness to to figure that out, and then also it's just entertaining to to see you uh, react to it. No, yeah, no, I I hate absolutely despise puns, and I know with with some people that don't like puns, they you can see like a physical, like you could just see how it just physically drains them. At least with me, it does. And I know you, Solo, who is a connoisseur of puns, you enjoy seeing me just feeling like my skin is crawling every time I hear some, every time I hear a pun. And I guess, yeah. You could say it's like punishment to you. Hey, it's Solo from the future here. Did you catch that pun I made? Because Karen didn't. And you know what? I think that's even funnier. Because he's going to realize it when he hears it later. Go back to your scheduled programming. It really is. It really is. <laughs> Every time. I got to be careful at times if I'm. If I'm trying to roast you or something. Because I know that pun is just locked and loaded. Ready to go. But. I don't. I actually don't know. Are there any. Comedians. That I made stand ups. Solely out of puns. Or like based on puns. Yes, and I'm glad you asked. Richard, uh, wait, uh, no, no, not Richard. Uh, his name is Stephen Wright, I think. Stephen mm-hmm. Wright it basically goes on shows. And he'll give you one-liners, like, throwaways, like, constantly, like, over and over again. Like, he would say, um, he would say something like, I went to the gas station the other day. I, uh, I saw a Help Wanted sign. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I saw self-service. So I, I went in and hired myself. 
God. Yeah. I, I, he would probably not see me at one of his shows. But <laughs> the the way he delivers them is like uh, an added layer is because he delivers them in a completely monotone voice. Like, he just, like, complete that pen. Right. You know what, uh, who else reminds me of, not the, not so much the puns, but the monotone voice is, uh, Mitch Hedberg. Um, when I was younger, I never really appreciated his comedy, but the more and more I got older, like, I really started to enjoy his sort of dry humor. And what made him, uh, I guess, funny to me was that each joke had nothing to do with his last joke that he said. Like, it literally, he would just rattle off a whole bunch of shit. And they had nothing to do with each other, for the most part. But each one had its own punchline. And it was just dry humor. And he's one of the few people that I feel like couldn't make it work right. Just because of his mannerisms and the way that he would direct his punchline. Like, it was great. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how we appreciate different comedians as we get older. I feel like some, most of us, uh, like with many things in life, we start to... Um, start appreciating different things that we never really would have thought of as we were younger. And I feel like comedy is one of those. Comedy, more specifically comedians, are one of those things. Because I can say, like, for a fact, like, I would have never thought... Like, I didn't think Bill Burr was as funny as he is now, like, when I was younger. But now he's, like, one of my favorite comedians. And then same with Mitch Hedberg. I thought... I find his stuff hilarious. And nowadays, I see... I used to love Dane Cook, but now I can't really stand him. I think he's just pretty obnoxious for the most part. Interesting. Um, I I don't know if I heard much of. Uh, you said his name's Mitch. Yeah, Mitch Hedberg. He was uh, he looked like a hippie, had glasses, mustache, uh, kind of longish longish hair, like up to his ears. Okay. Um. I don't know why he's not ringing any bells. I, I think, I'm, I'm sure I must have heard him in, in one of those comedy podcasts, but, um, but I know for, like, I've, I've heard Dane Cook. Um, yeah, I, the, the way, the way he said that, Stephen Wright is basically, he, he delivers, like, rapid fire, like, one, like, one-liners, one after another. They're, they're not related mm-hmm. to each other, but, uh, right. but a lot of them, I mean, like, you know, obviously, it's it's it could be hit or 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 miss for for one liners when you when you write them, but you know some of them could be throwaways, some could could hit like really hard, um, right? But I think writing a one liners is actually a lot more difficult than it sounds. Oh, for sure, because you have to make sure that one joke is completely unrelated to the last one. And can hit just as hard. It's incredibly difficult. Um, another uh, comedian that I feel like, uh, me personally, that I sort of grew into 
was Patrice O'Neal. Not, not because he wasn't funny, but I didn't really get his comedy until I grew older and older. Then I really under started to understand uh, how his comedy related to society. Right. And he, he was mainly speaking about the absurdities of how we live and the different topics that are going on in uh, society itself. Like whether it be like gay marriage, politics, sports, war, you name it. Like he, if it's fucking absurd, he would talk about it. And if he had an opinion, you will definitely know about it. Yeah, I, I think what happened for me was that I, I learned to appreciate him as a, as a individual, as somebody who can, who you value, uh, you know, like, like he never gave up his integrity, no matter who it was, even if it was like network executives and, and stuff like that. Like, right. Not now, like after, you know, uh, his death, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I read so many stories like Bill Burr talks about him all the time, you know, cause they, they came up in the comedy, uh, space together, you know, and they would mm -hmm. constantly roast, uh, roast each other. Uh, Kevin Hart was in that group too. Um, and some others but uh and the thing was is that patrice o'neill wasn't wasn't dumb either he was like he was a big like black guy who dressed up as like uh you know as like that gangster like persona or whatever and then right he was like the kindest person like um <laughs> like he, he uh some of the comedians w would would tell stories on podcasts about him or, or they would mention something and uh, and he even like I I saw him uh, I I saw him on I think was it like Fox and Friends or something and there was this woman talking about how uh, there was at one point Daniel Tosh I think made a rape joke and people were right. were happy about that and yeah I think uh, especially was, yeah I Go think ahead. that was during his show right or like in the midst of him climbing up with the show, he made that joke if I'm correct. If I'm not uh, mistaken. I, I that... think it was, I think it was a comedy club or, or something like that. It, it was, I, I'm almost positive it was a comedy club. Right. Uh, because that's, that's what Patrice said. So he was, he was telling her like, whether it was a good joke or a bad joke, um, they all come from the same, same moment, you know, mm -hmm. and, and a comedian is trying to capture that. Um, right. and you know, he, he was very intelligent and that kind of took people by surprise. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I, there's a lot of, I guess like back in the day when you look at comedians, um, you never really looked at them like these people that would be able to hold an intellectual conversation or have any sort of intellect they were just kind of like the jokers of society like they would just spew out random shit and they would just make you laugh and then they'd just be on their merry way doing whatever dumb shit that they would do that was kind of like the perspective and then nowadays everyone looks at them as like this public figure that is like going to be able to um 
like they would be able to basically fix society with with whatever they claim. So it's been it's pretty interesting to see how the view on different comedians has changed over over time really. It's probably like within like a decade or t- like within like the past 10 years like our viewpoints have really changed. And that actually leads me to uh the next point um the a lot of these comedians nowadays they're moving into podcasts so they have a lot they have a different platform to sort of speak on their ideals so you get a lot of people a lot of their fans going out and listening to them and sometimes they they view these view these podcasts as like a way of okay this person is saying x y and z so it must be correct because they're my favorite comedian but um that's not necessarily the case let's see so what you mean is like when they're on their podcast they can give their ideals and views and, and values and then somebody who could who's watching maybe uh identifies with those and kind of they, they those comedians become much more than a two-dimensional character that's only there to make you laugh or something right and then it's not to say that these comedians have their own ideals and own personal choices and views on society, but you know, I've, it's important for people to realize that you can think on your own, and not everything people say has to be the word of God. And it's especially so, like in this day and age, with podcasts becoming, uh, like the biggest thing for people to communicate. I feel like, especially public figures, um, like you see a lot of these comedians, and it, I feel like it all started with Joe Rogan, uh, just coming over to the podcasting world, and it's just another platform for them to really show, showcase their personality, let people know who they really are, you get to know them, uh, and I believe it's a, I think it's a great thing, to be honest. A lot of these popular podcasts nowadays are, um, are they are comedy podcasts, and these comedians are bringing in so many different types of people, uh, like ranging from other small-time comedians that they want to support, their friends, and even uh, public figures nowadays. So it's actually really it's a nice, fresh of breath there. Or fresh breath of air, whatever the fuck that term is, um, but yeah, I I think it's great. Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned that because like a public figure that really comes to my mind that kind of jumped into into the realm of comedy was that uh was Obama, actually, mm. huge public figure, went into Seinfeld's show, the comedians in cars getting coffee. Mm-hmm. He went on there. He he went on um, the between two. No, he, did he? Yeah, he was on between two ferns. He was on there too. He he uh, played along with the anger translator with Kay and Peel. Right. Um, and then uh, we had Clinton on between two ferns, but I don't know if she was on anything else. I don't remember. Or, Not know, that I, I, I haven't seen. Um. But how funny was that when 
at the end of the Between Two Friends segment with Clinton. He goes like, how should I, uh, how should I get in contact with you? And then he goes like, email? And he just gives her that, like, <laughs> like Zach gives her that stupid, like, smile. Right. And it's <laughs> interesting to see these people play along with some of the jokes uh, that these comedians have. Because you know for a fact they are not going to be ruthless. Or sorry, they are going to be ruthless. Oh, oh the comedians are? Yeah, these comedians. Yeah. Well, it d- depends on, on what kind of comedian, to right. be honest. Because, like, uh, like, you hear, like, people who are on the East Coast, like, comedians are always going to be, like, ripping on each other because that's, you know, how they, how yeah. they work. Like, um, people were, were making jokes about Patrice O'Neill, how he would do, mm-hmm. like, the face crunch. And if he did the face crunch in, at you, it means he, like... He he just thought you were like full of BS, right? But um, you know th- there were some some comedians who who went into the like the world of acting in like the early two thousands and and did other stuff, uh, and that you know definitely broke whatever bubble that they were in. Um, True, I know. Like you you had like all the SNL cast back. Where you had like uh you had David Spade, like Norm MacDonald, you had uh uh Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. Um you had Chris Rock. Chris Rock was a huge guy, like a huge one who who broke the like 'cause you know, um I don't remember how old I was, but I, I realized that David Spade was the voice of like Cusco in, in the Emperor's New Groove. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so you know it's a nice gig for like somebody who's an SNL comic to be on a on a Disney right. movie, right? No, it's uh, shows like SNL and Mad TV. I think were great for those who wanted to act and had that acting capability to sort of showcase their skills to a national level. Yeah, except, now, yeah. except if you're like Bobby Lee, who I guess got like traumatized from uh what's his name coach hines <laughs> i mean those kids as hilarious as they were they i can see why they it was basically berating bobby for the majority of the time <laughs> and of course it it leads to the type of person you are as well like if you're not suited for that it's not gonna help. The um the thing about like appreciating co- uh, comedians over time was uh, I mm-hmm. wanted to to bring up Norm Macdonald because I never understood what he was getting at as a younger like person as like a kid. Because um, right. like for me like I I was watching like stand up comics since I was like I think fourteen fifteen something like that. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know I loved uh i think bill burr was my favorite like all time like i i appreciated the way he thought i appreciated uh his like imagery right i i I really liked the the way the way he like he has he uses the mic as a prop in such like good ways like and i think it's because uh did he go to? I I think he went to like radio school or something, or, uh, and I think he he's definitely used that to his advantage. And you know the funny thing, 
is that he started podcasting before Joe Rogan. Really? Yeah. I think he complained about it once, too. <laughs> He's like, oh, I, I started before him. <laughs> I can just picture him just getting more and more upset. His just face yeah. is turning beet red. So, Billboard was like, uh, there was there was one one bit that like always uh, comes to my mind when he has that imagery and and the mic control and and how he uses it is when he compares himself to a psycho and how he's like a functioning psycho. Right. And he goes like, just imagine yourself. You're driving down the road. Uh, you know you you're you're going down. You see a crowd of people, right? And then he just he just goes like, you ever think? And then he he does like a motion like as if he's steering, and then he mm. turns it he turns the wheel to the right so he's as, as if he's like going like mowing down the crowd of people, and he goes like you're instantly famous. All you gotta do is like switch the the wheel like two degrees, right? Nobody knows who you are, and then suddenly you're on the cover of Newsweek, but um, right. So to get back to the point where like with, with Norm Macdonald, so. Norm Macdonald was was very subtle. I mean, he, I say subtle, but I'm mean, like he would try and like throw in a dick joke at like a at like a a talk show. So mm-hmm. it's not that he he tried to finesse it. That, that's what he was like trying to do. So like he would give this long winded joke and and you know completely derail the conversations or troll guests, you know. Right. Um, and it was, it, it was like, it, it was just watching it now, you you appreciate it, because you can see what he was trying to do. You you kind of see the subtleties. Uh, you see like he he'll make, like have a grin or like, he'll have a smile and he like look to the crowd and, and you know look back to the host. Um, right. Uh, his relationship with uh, there was a comedian. His his name was. Uh, uh, Dennis Miller, he's like a, a conservative uh, comedian, from from what I understand. I th- I, th- I mean, he's before my time, um, but uh, they would they'd go on a talk uh, on on their talk show together, and, and they'd like talk about uh, just random stuff. Their relationship was like really good. Conan O'Brien is really good, uh, is a really good host. Like I I think he's one of the best hosts, and the way his relationship stands with with comedians is that he knows how to treat them or he knows how to let them kind of uh be at their best like he says like with bill burry just let him rant you know and he'll entertain everyone with like norm you have to let him take the take the wheel and just hope he doesn't crash the car (laughs) you know you mentioned these um these talk shows like conan o'brien maybe like jay leno yeah, the Tonight Show. Um, I think those are slowly starting to get replaced by podcasts. Yeah, you see a lot of these comedians go in, and it's more for uh, promotion for if they have like a new special or if they are going to be in a new movie, so on and so forth. And with these podcasts, it's you don't have to worry about like censoring yourself or not being able to be your true self you can just spit out uh whatever project you're doing promote it you already have your fan base who would who would love to see you and you can just do it in your own way 
Um, and then on top of that, you get into other podcasts, like other comedians who want to help support you. And it's just the best. I think it's the best way of marketing these podcasts, yeah. like moving to different podcasts, talking about your craft with these other comedians, showing off like basically showing off your personality to like a huge new crowd. It, like I think someone like Joe Rogan who takes the time to bring in these new people. Like I found out about like like Theo Vaughn, for example. I found out about him through Joe Rogan. And I find him hilarious. And now here he is with a extremely successful podcast. His stand up's good. And same thing with Joey Diaz. I I knew of him from like some of the um some of the movies like, what was it? Spider-Man 2 when he was uh, part of the crowd. And um, when he had like the side, uh, side gig in, uh, what's that one movie with Adam Sandler? Um, the one where There's he goes so to prison. No, the one where he goes to prison and he ends up having a football team against the guards. Longest Yard. Yeah, The Longest Yard. Yeah, Joey Diaz was in it. But I had no idea. I thought he was just another actor. I had no idea he was a comedian. Then I found out about him. And now he's like one of my favorite comedians of all time. I, he's just <laughs> hilarious. And he has his own podcast. And he does the same thing for other people as well. But there's one issue. What's that? So the issue is that with Joe Rogan. He... Do you, do you remember Brendan Schaub? Yes. Okay. He basically had a similar situation with... Uh, with MMA and and then going into comedy as Joe Rogan, right? Because that's what Joe Rogan right. did. And then... With you know, what? He, like going in from MMA to comedy? Yeah, they, they came from a similar place because well, Joe Rogan was asking him, like, uh, or he, he was trying to convince him, like, whenever he was on the podcast, you know, mm-hmm. you should go into comedy. You know, I, right. I think you're very funny or whatever. And then you build somebody up like that, like in their head, right? Mm-hmm. And then they go out and they release a special without, you know, without having the experience and skills to necessary to do stand-up. And then right. you end up having a very, like, low-rated special. Because remember, like, on IMDb's, like, worst comedians of all time mm-hmm. or whatever, if if I remember right, it's, I think, first Amy Schumer, then Brendan Schaub. I haven't seen the list, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the order. And yeah, I agree. There, There is a downside to that. And you get someone like Brendan Schaub who could, could be a little disillusioned with how funny he actually is. But I feel like that it, come, it comes with the territory. Like maybe... One person you find that that could be funny to you may not be funny to like the majority of other people. Well, well, that's and, the problem. Is that yeah? You, you could be like you'd be funny with your friends, and you could be funny right. in general or, or whatever. But mm-hmm. stand up is is something different entirely, and I don't think right that those skills would translate directly. But right. they would maybe help you when you're writing, right? The, you know your your hour or whatever, or right. however long you have. But like um like we were saying, a podcast helps 
comedians kind of build each other up and mix their fan base. So that right. way, you know, you have like, uh, I, I know Bill Burr would have uh, his comedian friends jump in mm-hmm. as, as guests. So his fans would mix with other fans and, you know, they would go see each other's like shows and, and stuff like that. Right. But they're it's still a... doing, but they're still doing, you know, uh, mm-hmm. stand up comedy and, and they're still practicing it and, and working at it. And then right. remember that Bill Burr and, and other comedians uh, like him. And the reason why I mentioned Bill Burr is because like he, he worked for years, you know, um, he was, he's, and the reason why I bring him up is because his situation is kind of funny because he started late or a little mm-hmm. bit late. Whereas like you have somebody like Chappelle who started at 14. Right. He started at 14. He's younger than, than, um, than Bill. Right. And, uh, and he, he was working it. And then those guys wait a long time before they have their first special, like the a recorded one. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, you know, you, you have to be able to develop those skills first before you make a special. Otherwise, right. it just tanks and, and you know, right. nobody wants to see you. Right. I mean, I think that also goes in, goes along with how times have changed. Because before, back in that era, you didn't really have many social outlets to sort of promote yourself but you really only had like the paper for example and late night talk shows and then of right. course television and maybe even movies if you end up making it there nowadays with the boom of social media it's so easy and so i wouldn't say simple but it's much much easier to get your name out there compared to what bill burr and dave Chappelle yeah. had to do i would say if like to finish my thought like if yeah dave bill, if dave Chappelle and bill burr were to be in today's era let's just say their younger selves were in the process right now i think they'd be even bigger say like the next five years just because of not just their their skills with the mic and how great of comedians they are, but the fact that they would just get incredible coverage within a shorter time. Yeah, exactly. And um, and there's less stigma about promoting yourself through uh, the internet or or putting specials up on you know on YouTube or something, right? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, apparently, I think like you, 10, 10 years ago, something like that, or a, a little more, mm-hmm. um, one guy revolutionized it, basically. He, he's the one that started it. I, I can't, his name like escapes me now, but, uh, but basically people were mad at him because they, they quote unquote weren't paying their dues. So they weren't going to, uh, they weren't doing it the the route that every other comedian took, which was you, you go work clubs, like work right. for like a crappy manager, play at, or not play at, but you know, do, do your bits at random places and then bomb. And then, you know, go right. home and, and get drunk or something, or that's what they, they would do. Yeah. 
So rinse and repeat. Yeah, and then what this guy did was he used I think MySpace or something, and he, and he promoted himself like through the internet. Right. Got a crowd. Got a special very early, and, and you know blew up. Right. And you know I some people like this. Some people you know took advantage of that. Like I, I know immediately after Joe Rogan was like uh, was like okay you know I I gotta I gotta promote myself like that, and then right. he did that. Right. Um, to speak to that with the old timers, and I call them old timers because they went through all that and uh, they dealt with all all the shit they had to do in order to to be where they are. The ones that are complaining, I feel, I feel like they're a little upset because this person didn't have to go through with what they did to get famous. It's. I think it's important. If you want to achieve what you can, you got to change. You got to be adaptable. And while I do see their point of you have to go through those reps in order to, you know, find your shtick. Like, or find something that clicks with the crowd. And if you can find a way to still get big and still click with the crowd, but not go through all that you know, why, why do you have to suffer like they, like you did? You know, that's my question. I feel like if you want, like, if you want your craft to grow, you have to be innovative. And this person was, and another example I can think of like recently was, uh, Andrew Schultz. He sort of blew up because of the stuff that he's been doing on YouTube during the pandemic. I think with him posting his stuff all over YouTube and not going through like a Netflix special and doing everything by himself, uh, that blew up. And I know for a fact, some people didn't really think of anything of it. They're like, oh, like you're not making a comedy special. You're just doing everything through YouTube. And he's got, he got a lot of flack for it, but he's a great comedian. He's now doing really well. He became very popular. And on top of that, he has a great podcast. And uh, I've noticed uh, his friend Akash Singh, who's another comedian, he went the same route as well. And he blew up because of it as well. Um, actually, uh, uh, talking about that, that actually brought up, actually thought up a, of a question for you. Um, do you think comedy stand-up or like specials, whatever it may be, um, is that going to be affected by podcasts? Like with all these comedians moving toward the podcasting uh, realm. Like, do you think that they're going to be negatively affected? They're going to be trending up together? Or you think nothing's really going to change? Well, for me, I think that podcasting affects... Um, it affects, like, your stand-up in a way that maybe only a long-time fan would see, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're a long-time fan and you're seeing your favorite comedian talk on a podcast over the years and then seeing what they're thinking, you know, you're seeing the writing process in play. And by the time you see their next special, you can see how their opinions turned into the jokes or the setups or the bits or whatever, right? Right. So 
you know, those podcasts serve so many purposes, right? And one of them mm -hmm. is to is to basically build the the writing for, you know, their uh, what's it called? The you know their their specials, and right. I mean, uh, you you could see like when when Conan had comedians on that sometimes they would do their bits. They they were like playing up the comedian part, mm -hmm. and uh, and now they can play that part in in their podcast. So they can start giving out you know their their opinions or or whatever or like practice you know because you can't bomb on a podcast. Well, I mean you right. can, but you can <laughs> you can for sure actually. But right, uh, mm -hmm. you know you, you have your fans, and if if it's just you and and you're just messing around, you know it's it's not as bad. I think that's why Andrew Schultz does that. Like he he throws his stuff on YouTube and other platforms just because, um, you know it's it's if you bomb, who cares? It's on YouTube, right? Right. But if it's a, if it's a Netflix special, then, uh, then it's a different story. That's you're talking about right. money there, but like, but there is money involved with YouTube because you're funding it. So I would I wouldn't say like if I mean, you bomb on YouTube like it's you can like brush it off as easily as like a Netflix special, well like with a special like with Netflix for example, you're going to cost them money, and they're going to be less inclined to bring you on. But with YouTube, I feel like it's it's your own money and your own credibility. Sure, but I mean it's also if you. If you put yourself on YouTube, right, you're making right. ad revenue on top. So, but with a Netflix special, you get a lump sum, I think, from, from what I understand. Like, they give you an amount. And, right. um, and remember, you don't want to be the guy who, or the comedian who is responsible for removing a feature on Netflix. Because with Amy Schumer's special, she was the reason they removed the ratings. Mm. Good point. <laughs> very good point but uh to go back to the relationship between podcast and stand-up um, yeah I, th I think we got sidetracked so basically yeah. it's it's a close relationship if you're a longtime fan you actually get to see the process of a special being right. written just in an indirect way right and then not only that but when you're also building up um, basically, uh, your audience, you're also, uh, promoting your tours, mm -hmm. you know, it's a just constant promotion for yourself. Right. And then you also have the sponsors from, from the podcast. Right. And speaking of sponsors, um, there have been, uh, in, t in today's society, Sponsorships are a big thing for you to keep your livelihood, whether it's podcasting, being in sports, um, you name it. And with the boom of social media, anyone can say anything. So if you make a big mistake, like we mentioned earlier, like if you, if you say some shit on a podcast and some people didn't like it, you're fucking done. Um, and cancel culture has actually like cancel culture outrage culture like that has been a big talking point in the comedy world uh within these past few years 
Um, there have been plenty of comedians nowadays that have been canceled. They've been talked about in a negative flight uh, for different things that they've said. Uh, there have been even people that go into these shows to f- to actually find something that they can get offended at so they can write about it, whether it be on Twitter, if they have their own blog. And it's it's affected a lot of people because you, you get these um, folks who get really upset and they're out for blood, basically, out trying to ruin people's livelihoods. And then you get these comedians who end up uh, shutting themselves uh, from their true personality, their true jokes, what really made them funny because they don't, they don't want their livelihood to get uh, affected. Sometimes you may see some of these comedians uh, become quote-unquote politically correct just so they can go with the crowd. They, don't, they can be left alone. Um, it's actually pretty interesting to see how times have changed in that sort of aspect because say like 10 to 20 years ago, they, I don't think most people would have even thought about their livelihoods being affected, like more specifically like comedians um, when it comes to these sort of things. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and for a lot of these, like, uh, like comedians, you know, um, they, many of them, like, complain about it. Uh, I know Bill Burr uh, compared it to, like, going into, like, a walk-in closet where we can only pick out certain subjects and, and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, you have uh, you have many com- comedians who, who feel restricted, right? Uh, because they feel like some subjects are untouchable, and then they can't really talk about it anymore because uh, because of that. Like uh, right. you know, like uh, one funny thing is like Andrew Schultz's like uh, flagrant podcast. I think is that what he, yeah. he calls it? That right? Yeah. Yeah, it used to be like, called uh, Flagrant Two. Now they rebranded it to just Flagrant. Yeah, I don't know why. They called it flagrant too. Like where was flagrant on? But... So flag so it's a play on words from the flagrant two foul in basketball because a flagrant there's two levels. A flagrant one is uh when you hit someone or you foul someone, but you, you didn't it wasn't meant for like it wasn't intentional. Like you hit someone in the face, but you were just in the midst of a play and you happen to hit them hard. You get penalized for it, but you won't get thrown out. A flagrant two is a foul where you hit someone hard, but it was all intentional. You you were intending to hurt someone, and at that point, you're pretty much kicked out. So well, that's where it came from. <laughs> I I had no idea. Thank you for for giving us that information. See, ladies and gentlemen, here in the in the Sanctuary Podcast, we are we even though we talk about one subject, we like to provide uh, educational services. We we provide uh, explanations for everything, as long as we know it. Right. So, um, I know Dave Chappelle had uh, had his thing with with the trans community, and right. 
even though the the Twitter outrage caused a member of the trans community to to you know commit suicide, which is terrible. But um, actually, we should probably give a little bit more insight to that. So, for folks who don't know, there was a a trans woman who became friends with Dave Chappelle, and she was an aspiring comedian. And um, she showed support on Twitter for Dave. And unfortunately, uh, the community uh, basically went at her for supporting Dave, and she ended up uh, committing suicide because of that. Isn't that wild? These are basically like the Salem witch trials, but like of our time, of our generation. Yeah, it, you have to be so careful, especially if you're speaking in a public platform, whether it yeah. be through social media or if you're a public figure like Dave Chappelle. You have to be, you have to be careful if you do care about. Well, not that if you do care, but people will are have so many eyes on you, so many eyes are on you, so that they will make sure that. Every step you take will be scrutinized. Right. And then, unlike the Salem Witch Trials, instead of them hanging you, they expect you to do it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? It's, it's kind of yeah. like... It's, it's kind of like, um, like the self-checkout lines, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know okay. Walmart was complaining about uh, theft, that they lost like $5 billion or something like that? I didn't hear about how much they lost but i did hear about how people were just straight up stealing shit like how how do you expect to (laughs) you just shoot yourself in the foot and you just wonder like oh why did this happen right but But in the case for comedians they're just doing their job yeah um i mean some of them do do deserve it you know the ones who are like especially scummy and uh are predatory and, and stuff like that they they give like comedians a bad name you know, right. um, those guys, they don't deserve to be involved, to be honest, right. or, you know, deserve a platform or whatever. Like, uh, uh, like that one guy who, who became like a, a male feminist went on like Joe Rogan's podcast, uh, at one time started talking about how like all this stuff is offensive to women, how it was demeaning, uh, you know, those right. rape jokes or whatever. And then, uh, he ends up getting... Uh, accused of of sexual assault and uh he apparently um apparently was trying to do the whole male feminist thing you know the classic play be a male feminist to try and get with the the feminists Mm -hmm. didn't work out for him he got canceled i think for a while came back uh i don't know if it's fairly recently but he he did eventually come back um um uh, I don't think he's doing as much comedy nowadays. He's more involved in the jujitsu world. Um, no, he's not. But I mean, you know, um, he did show up on some podcasts and he did explain himself. Right. But it's it's interesting to see. There are a lot of hypocrites out there as yeah. well. And, and um, he, he gave some insight on, you know, the, the cancel culture thing was that he was always... He he spent like hours a day on Twitter, trying to get other people canceled and and trying to start conflict. You know, right. he it was almost like an addiction for him. Right. So, 
it's uh it's kind of crazy to see that and and how social media or an you know an addiction to social media can can cause the uh can cause you to to lose your livelihood or uh to cause someone else to lose their livelihood right um do you believe that comedy will be affected severely because of the cancel culture outrage and outrage culture that's been going on nowadays so let's just say maybe like another 10 years in 2033 do you believe that comedy as we know it today is going to change drastically i think comedy just adapts to the the way the world moves and you have to keep in mind that it's only i mean it's not only but uh in the in the united states it's it's more amplified but like with the rest of the world they don't care as much or they don't do the cancel culture stuff um like like we do over here right so you know for for the rest of the world you can go to and and you know and and you'll have like a huge crowd you know some uh this is the other thing with globalization and and being able to be on the internet is that you're not only touring America, you're touring the the world basically. Right, that's very true. Um, you don't really, you don't hear as much. Granted, uh, like as Americans, we don't really think about too many other cultures, or like we don't really have that insight. Not that we don't care, but we don't have that insight to, um what other comedians from different countries are dealing with as far as uh, their cancel culture or outrage culture, whether if not they're being quote-unquote censored uh, with some of the stuff that they say. Uh, a lot of it, too, has to do with the cult, like the actual culture that they're a part of. Sometimes in more conservative parts of the world, it's going to be extremely difficult. Whether or not you offend anyone, there are things that are off-limits regardless and you can't even say. So, um, it's interesting to see that here in the United States that we're considered the most free country, yet people are trying to dictate what we can and can't joke about. Even though there is no actual hateful intent, as far as I know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure most comedians uh, do not in mean... Uh, like any ill will towards like jokes against certain communities um it's just like i said it's a joke it is just meant to make light of a certain uh community or an issue or whatever but having people get upset at that and trying to restrict on restrict you on what you're supposed to say in a country that is supposed to be allowing you to speak freely and say what's on your mind without too much repercussion it's it's a pretty uh interesting situation that we're in yeah for sure but th there is like you know these comedians aren't, aren't sitting down and, and just taking it you know like mm -hmm. see louis ck making a comeback making the rounds right uh, with all the podcasts he was on theo's podcast recently right i yeah i saw um i could say too chris rock he made fun of Will Smith. Uh, yeah, Will Smith's uh, wife. 
<laughs> he got smacked for it on national television on the Oscars and is now making a crazy comeback. And well, he's he, he was always, it. he was always, I mean, he wasn't canceled before or anything like that. Um, but, you know, he was just uh, doing his own thing. But, you know, we did get, like, I say we, like I'm, I'm a comedian or something, but uh, they did, like, the, the comedy, you know, the comedians and stuff like that. They got some sympathy points with the, with the actors, so. <laughs> right. No, and it, it's gotten to a point where it's gotten, the, the outrage has gotten so outrageous um, that people are starting to realize, like, okay, there's no need for this. Like, we just want, we realize that these are just jokes and people yeah. don't really mean what they say. Let's, we can just laugh about stuff and just move on with our lives. There's no point in just holding on to the, that rage or being upset. But unfortunately, there are people who just want to find any sort of discourse. And they have it out against these people. They really do. Like to sit on social media like Twitter and just advocate like the cancellation of these people and like basically destroying their livelihoods. It's it's insane to me. Right. And we're not talking about the people who, you know, obviously... Are, are convicted or you know have right done some some crazy stuff we're, we're just talking about people who are making jokes and then right some people are you know making a blog about it or whatever so right that, that's like, what we're trying like if to you're do. out there like if you're out there actually harassing like sexually harassing women you're out there just being an absolute shithead yes you like get the fuck out like we don't need you those types of people uh, going around. However, if you're just there making jokes, but you're a good human being, we don't need to go after these people. Define, find the actual people that are causing harm. Not, not, like, not the people that could possibly hurt your feelings through, through a joke. If, uh, there are many, in my opinion, there are many more important people that are much more worthy of uh, cancellation, for lack of a better term, uh, than these comedians. But that's a topic for another day. <laughs> and um, and like like Patrice O'Neill was saying, you know, good or bad jokes, those controversial ones, they come, you know, from from the same situation. Like Gilbert exactly. Gottfried, he he made nine eleven jokes right after nine eleven happened, and he, you know, they, uh, they weren't happy, but no, but to this day, you know, people was, still make those jokes. Y yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there's enough time has passed that they can, right. There's, I think there was one instance where Norm Macdonald was on, was on Jon Stewart and, mm. uh, and you remember Steve Irwin? Yes. Steve Irwin died, and Norm Macdonald was talking about it, and John Stewart is like literally saying, "Like, please don't make me laugh at this," because <laughs> he was yeah, saying he the crocodile hunter died. That's a surprise, right? And like you, but, you, people have a natural inclination to laugh at these sort of things, but because right. of the side they're on, 
they're not supposed to. We're we're humans. We're supposed to laugh at fucked up shit like this. Yeah, and you know, some people handle tragedy different ways. Right. Like, you know, I'll, I'll I'll deal with it with like humor. Uh, you know, right. I'll make jokes. Like, I'll be the first person. Like, I'll go through something. I'll be the first one to make the jokes about it. And uh, right, but you know, a, a good example of this was uh, was the story. You know, uh. It was I I don't know how I came across this, but um, but basically, th- there was a question on Quora, right? And for those who don't know, Quora is like a website where you can post questions and people yeah. can answer them. And I I think I think it started out as a discussion about if God you know has a sense of humor, right? I think me and my friends were having an argument or something like that, and and we were talking about it, and we were like. You know, th- does does God display, um, you know, th- those those kinds of elements that you know? Well, what was your answer? I I think He does because if if we come from God, right, and okay. a being you know that has all these qualities, then we must have qualities of God. So, uh, one of those qualities is uh, qualities is basically to to see the humor in things. And so he's definitely a sick fuck. I'll tell you that <laughs> if with all these wars and terrible shit going on in the world, he, I think he's a, he loves that so, dark humor. I can tell you that he's looking at fucking the shit going on in Russia and Ukraine, fucking snickering in the back, popping a couple of popcorns. So, so anyway, basically, uh, somebody asked the question, the same question that we, that we posed and, and we're asking, uh, right. And they ask, does God have a sense of humor, basically? And this guy gives an answer, and he gives, like, a very funny answer. So he goes, like, sometimes I think God has a rather twisted sense of humor. So exactly like you were saying, uh, Right. And and God, being timeless, can take a long time to view the humor in setting up a joke. He was <laughs> like, for example, in 1992, the sewage system in Guadalajara, Mexico, exploded destroying an entire city district. In itself, there's nothing funny about this tragedy, of course, uh, that caused many hundreds of deaths and, and injuries. However, Guadalajara is named for a much older city in Spain, founded in the 8th century. This name derives from the Arabic Wadi al-Hajara, meaning Valley of Stones. But in Yiddish, the name becomes Gvald al-Hajara, it's, uh, it, it, and it, if I butchered that, you know, I'm sorry, I don't speak Yiddish, but, um, this guy says it's, it's hard to translate, uh, or explain what Gewald means. Just consider it an exclamation of alarm or surprise. So Gewald al-Hajara literally means, oh my God, the shit. <laughs> <laughs> if people, so then he, he goes on to explain, if people are going to be terribly negligent and cause entirely preventable tragedies with exploding sewage pipes, then God is going to wait about 1,200 years to tell a poop joke. What a sick fucking thing that God's doing. <laughs> it, is it his doing, or is it people's doing, and then, you know, the, he's just setting up the joke so that people can, can see it in the future. But, right. you know, I mean... some, for, for us to see the humor in this, you know, obviously it was a tragedy, and for 
for the people who, who died, you know, I, like my, my condolences for them, you know, nobody, nobody ever deserves that. But right. To, in order to heal from, from things like that, you know, you, you have to be able to like laugh at the situations. Mm-hmm. And for me, nothing, nothing should be, you know, off, off limits. Uh, everything is uh, open to criticism or, or ridicule. And so, uh, you know, especially on the internet, the internet feels very strongly about that. Right. that the more sacred something is, the more the internet wants to corrupt it. I agree. And I guess nowadays with comedians taking a stand, uh, they feel the same way with their craft. Uh, it should be left untouched. Uh, the community will know what is appropriate, what is not appropriate. But for the most part, everything is mo- is pretty much fair game. Uh, if you don't like it, you don't have to sit through it. You don't have to watch it. There are well, plenty of other things for you to watch. Yeah, the, plus a lot of people say, like, um, like a, a lot of comedians will say something like, like, they'll say, listen, you're, you're going to a, a public place like a comedy club you're paying tickets to see basically uh all kinds of subject matter being uh being dealt with if if you really aren't comfortable then you can pay for a private show if you want to right yeah i think people should probably get that and then at that point make a decision whether or not if you want to sit through a couple hours of jokes where you're just going to sit there just pissed off. Laugh, ladies and gentlemen. You know, life's rough. Let's sit back and enjoy it when we can. And I guess on that note, uh, we've come to the end of our first episode. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed our little talk about comedy. And uh, we'll be having a range of different topics for future episodes uh if you like it we hope you'll stick around continue listening and uh we look forward to sending out the new one and we hope you guys are coming along for the ride